Welcome to the Cancer and Christ podcast. I am your host, Layla Ireland. Episode 4, Removing the Tumor from My Brain and Radiotherapy. The night before my surgery, it was a long night. (laughs) Very long. My daughter, my estranged daughter, had come over being very apologetic about the three years that we hadn't spoken and she didn't call me back and just basically saying a lot of the things that any mother would love to hear, (laughs) Uh, how much she loved me and how she was wrong about things. And of course, you know, I loved hearing these things. Deep down inside, there was a part of me that knew also, you know, I think it was a sad part of me because I knew that she was saying these things because of the circumstances. That's what I felt anyway, but it was a strange night. The children and I and my family, we we ate donuts and (laughs) talked, and I had to wash my hair with this surgical shampoo. I, I kind of, I still felt like I was in a daze, but doing what I had to do, I just wanted to get it over with. I remember that feeling very well. I just, I had wished, you know, I'd already been through the brain surgery and was home. My surgery was scheduled for 7 a.m. in the morning. So uh, to say that I slept would be a a lie. (laughs) I didn't sleep well at all. I tried, but it was really hard. I wouldn't say that I was fearful or or anything like that. I just I just know that I wanted to go get it over with and get back home and that's how I felt. The the hours right before it was time to go, you know, I was kissing everybody saying I'll be back soon. I had already told the doctors, the neurosurgeons prior to this that I would not, I I remember saying, I do not want to stay in the hospital. I will not recover here. I I need to be home. Dr. Forbes said that we'll see what we can do about that. And I was really, really happy (laughs) that he had mentioned at a meeting that he introduced me to the staff and everybody and and said, uh, we're going to see if we can get her home Saturday. And that made me so happy because Thursday morning was my scheduled surgery, which I was just over the moon. I just wanted to go in and get it over with. So we took an Uber all the way out to the trauma hospital. And I was sitting outside and I was smoking a cigarette and just thinking it was still dark and the light hadn't even you know, really filled the sky yet. <laughs> it's just kind of like a, a dark, deep purple. And I was just thinking about things, what what was going to happen and trying to like take those last drags of the cigarette. I knew I would not be able to smoke another cigarette for at least a few days. And as we were going in, right after I stepped out the cigarette, what I took to be my own thoughts was I am the daughter of the one and only God. It just came to my mind just like that as if someone else said it only 
I, you know, I am the daughter of the one and only God. And I walk through those doors headed toward the, you know, surgical theater. I, I had absolutely no fear whatsoever. I, I, I felt like I was somebody, somebody important, somebody special, somebody royal. I, I didn't have any trepidation whatsoever. We'd gotten in, I gotten undressed. The nurse asked me, do you have any, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, belongings that are, uh, what, did, what is the word that she used? Um, you know, like expensive jewelry or, or anything like that. And I just pointed to my husband and she laughed and she says, good, <laughs> uh, good answer. I had my MRIs. Um, they wanted to, to focus on my head and they wanted more of my neck, my torso as well to make certain that there were no additional tumors. Then they shaved my head. It was just the back of my head, the area where they were going to be cutting. So they shaved my head and that was really strange sensation. I don't know. <laughs> I, I remember being feeling real ticklish with that razor, you know, coming that close to my neck and, and my head. I called my grandmother and I told her that I'm here, Grandma, I'm going in, pray for me, and she said she would, and we said we loved each other, and then I hung up, and they wheeled me down towards the surgery, and when we got in there, the anesthesiologist asked me a lot of questions, and I only had one question for him, and that was, do you believe in God, and his answer was no. And he said that he had at one time, but then he had divorced from his wife and he no longer believed in God, but not to worry because he swore an oath. I stopped him right there and I said, I'm not worried at all because I do believe in God and I know that he chose you to be my anesthesiologist. It was so strange. I had this deja vu moment. It was like I knew him from some other time, some other place. The conversation that we had, I was, it was as if I could have, I mean, I could have just spoken what was going to happen before it was actually said. We'd had that conversation before. It was just the strangest feeling. And I felt that I knew him and, you know, any matter, my husband kissed me and uh, said he would see me when I got out of surgery. So they rolled me in and Dr. Edie Sussman was there and she introduced me to everybody else was there that was there. It, there must have been, uh, to me, it seemed like at least 20 people, doctors, nurses. I mean, it seemed like a lot of people in the surgical room. I remember there was one really tall nurse. She had long white hair. And I remember thinking, she doesn't look like a nurse. <laughs> She's just super tall. But she was standing by like the gurney thing they had me on. And 
I felt her hand just reach down and immediately, I don't know what it was, I just clutched onto her fingers. And to this day, I remember thinking, I still think, you know, she must be an angel. God sent an angel (laughs) because it was a really overwhelming, almost like unreal feeling knowing, you know, everybody was introducing themselves and and introducing what their role was for the surgery. And it was just, just a really strange, almost like this is happening, but it's not. I mean, I felt like I was in a movie. The anesthesiologist had told me that what would happen is once they knocked me out, I am, they would turn me over. I would probably wake up with really swollen eyes or swollen face from everything. But I don't know, it was just such a strange feeling knowing that I was in there and all of these people were there for me and they were going to open my head. And I'd never even um, discussed with the, the doctor or any, you know, either either one of my brain surgeons as to what was going to happen because remember I didn't have any questions I totally trust in the Lord and I didn't I felt I didn't need to know um, so I really didn't know what they were going to do I knew they were going to open my head and take out the tumor so um, he puts the mask on me the anesthesiologist he says I want you to take some deep breaths and I did and then he whispered in my ear come on, breathe deeper. And so I just started, you know, breathing. I I think I can count it like three long, deep breaths. And that was it. I was out. Next thing I remember is holding what I thought was a phone was actually a clicker, you know, the clicker on your bed that they give you to um, alert the nurse if you need something. And I was trying to call the phone to get my husband. And I was so frustrated because I had kept pressing the same buttons and I would hold it to my ear and I didn't hear any ringing. I didn't hear anything. So the nurse her name was Liberty. She was really nice. She was, don't cry, don't cry. <laughs> I will go get him. So she went and got my husband and it was all over. I had a very big wrapping around my head. I was in ICU, very happy to see my husband, extremely happy that everything was over. Dr. Sussman told my husband that I only lost a teaspoon of blood, which was very good. I just, I remember being very hungry. I got chicken nuggets and I had him turn on the phone and make a a short video of me for uh, my family. Let him know that I'm okay and (laughs) ready to eat my chicken nugget. I knew they'd be really happy about that. So everything was really... It was almost surreal, you know, I couldn't believe it was over. I didn't feel any pain. I remember the nurse came in and asked me, you know, do you want something for the pain? And I hesitated because I didn't feel any pain. She must have known that. And she had said, it's just discomfort. 
And I said, yeah, it's just discomfort. And I didn't take anything for pain whatsoever. So the very next day was Friday. I had eaten that day. Everything was fine. I still hadn't taken anything for pain. They took the catheter out for peeing so I could get up and pee myself, which was good. Everything was, wow, I just wanted home, you know. (laughs) The Saturday morning, Dr. Forbes came in and he unwrapped the bandage on my head. He said, you have a very high threshold for pain. I was... (laughs) Very happy. Um, he, he said, when you go home, make sure not to lie down flat. You want to be in an upright position, even when you're in bed or when you sleep. Don't lie down flat. And that was pretty much all he had said. He did say, I was really happy. The nurse says, is there things she has to look out for, doctor? Or, you know, I didn't have any questions whatsoever. He said, well, I mean, if things were really bad or something, I could call. Or, But um, he did say, you know, once you get radiation after this and they'll shoot beams in your head, you will never have another problem with your, your head again. And I was just totally over the moon. I did say, well, the Kepra, am I going to, I'm so, I have to take that for life, right? Because I, I remember that Dr. Sussman had said that, or somebody had said that to me. I wasn't certain, but he agreed. And that to me was the only, the only thing, you know, that kind of made me feel uh, down was that I would have to take this um, seizure medicine forever. But I was going home. I couldn't believe it. Thursday, I had my brain surgery. He said that they had just taken off the back of my head, slid my brain to the side, and took out an apricot-sized tumor. And everything went very well. He called the, I think the surgery, he explained it kind of like a trap door, whatever that meant. I was just so happy that it was over and I had 27 stitches on the back of my head and I could not believe praise Jesus I was going home (laughs) home I'd only been there um let's see Thursday night Friday night and going home Saturday morning I did really have a rude nurse. I remember asking her, please, can you take out these IVs? They're really hurting. And I wasn't, you know, on any other liquids or medications in the IVs, but she wanted me to keep them in until the actual papers for release were signed. And I just thought that was totally unnecessary. I mean, she could have done it. She was just being, you know, um, uh, not a nice person to say the least. But other than that, I was so happy to be going home. I had to pee so bad and I couldn't get into the bathroom because the other patient had locked it from the inside. So I had to walk down this long corridor, turn and go to another bathroom. And I couldn't believe I was doing this. I kept thinking, oh my gosh, I've just had brain surgery. My head feels ginormous. Um, I remember it feeling like really heavy, like I like I was a pumpkin head or something. I'm walking around, you know, pulling along this 
thing that holds the IVs all because that nurse wouldn't, you know, take my IVs out so I could be, um, so I could walk freely. Seriously, though, she really was really, really rude. I, I did not like this nurse at, that was just like probably the worst. I mean, the worst of my entire experience was every little thing regarding that nurse that I had on the last morning there. I remember thinking, you know, it's just um, Satan's way of reminding reminding me that, you know, he's still around and God had got me through this storm with the brain surgery, but there's evil all over. I just, even in that, you know, I, I just, to myself, inwardly in my heart, I just smiled. I was grateful that, and I knew that everything would be fine. Because remember, I'm the daughter of the one and only God. And he's almighty. I was fine. So on my way home, I uh, just want to be with my family. Praise the Lord. Of course, when I got home, uh, my daughter had already left. So I was sad about that. I had hoped that she would stay, but she didn't. She went back to her life, and uh, we were back to ours. I did have a lot of steroids to keep the swelling down. I was supposed to sit in an upright position. Uh, so all these things were going in my head in the Uber on the way home. I remember getting out of the car, walking up the street, and uh, you know how, have you ever been near a door or a window and you can feel the draft just squeezing through? <laughs> That's what the back of my head felt like. Now, I had no bandage on it whatsoever. So um, the whole exposed area, I could feel the cold and it felt like there was a door in the back of my head and cold air was seeping in it. It was just the the most peculiar feeling ever. And of course, like most of the Ubers that I've taken, they don't stop right at the door. They always have a tendency to stop a little further down the street or in the middle of the street or even across the street. So I had to make this walk to the to the house and I felt a little um, shaky. That Keppra that that I was taking tends to make you feel that way, like your legs feel real wobbly and you feel real relaxed. I don't want to say weak. I've never ever thought or felt weak or thought of myself as feeling weak. That's not to say that I haven't been weak. I've just never, you know, um, processed it in my mind as weakness. So if I felt that way, I just thought I, I feel sleepy or <laughs> lack of energy. But anyways, that's I, I felt that draft in the back of my head all the way up the driveway, all the way into the house. And I was so, so happy to be home. The very next morning when I woke up, I slept on the couch at night, kind of like with my head propped up on one side because the surgery is mostly on the right side of my skull. I woke up in the morning. I remember walking down the hall, going to the bathroom, and I looked at myself in the mirror and my jaw was literally hanging down to my collarbone. 
And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, did I have a stroke? And I grabbed my face, but it, it, of course it wasn't down to my collarbone. It was just this visual that I was having. I looked at the toilet and I could totally see through it. Everything was distorted and bizarre and it really freaked me out. So my husband was cooking breakfast. I was sitting there and this is so weird. It looked like his bum and his legs were as tall as the refrigerator and his torso was like way down in front of the stove cooking. And it just, it was so weird. They said that would happen, you know, that it takes a while for everything, your vision and, and nerves and everything to, to get back to normal. Praise God, that was the only day, like that day, first day home, the following day home that I experienced that kind of, I don't even know what to call it. It was just really scary. And like my face, if I hadn't felt it, you know, I mean, it literally looked like something out of a horror movie or, you know, The Walking Dead, my jaws hanging down, but it really wasn't. But yet I had that and looked like it in the mirror. So all that distortion and everything was, was gone the second day home. I uh, didn't, or the third day home, I didn't have any of that again. Praise Jesus. <laughs> So I I was on the steroids though. I was taking Pepsid for the steroids and the Keppra. Um no again, no pain medication. They actually gave me a big bottle of pain medication, uh, but I didn't take it. I didn't have to. The Lord spared me. I had no pain and I had so hard to to fathom because I mean Prior to all this happening, like the year, uh, you know, of signs before the seizure, I was having headaches and migraines almost every single day. And here I just had a craniotomy, 27 stitches on the back of my head, and absolutely no pain. So God was just so wonderful and, and good to me. I did experience, however from the steroids, a ferocious appetite. I mean, I could eat more than, oh my gosh, than, you know, like two servings, and I would still just be like famished. I remember having a really, a craving for uh, beef. I just wanted to eat um, cheeseburgers or steak or, you know, meat, protein. So, I was experiencing that. I was also having really bizarre dreams with the steroids, which I didn't like because in my dreams, I would wake up laughing over the most, the silliest things. I had this one dream about rocks. I could see these rocks on the, the ground and they started moving to the shape of a foot. And then it kept trying to like move across the ground and keeping its shape. And while that doesn't sound funny, in, in my dream state, I was just laughing. I mean, like laughing so hard that I woke up laughing. And I could fall asleep like and I don't know, maybe five minutes into falling asleep, I would start laughing and wake myself up 
from the laughing, and it was so bad I was crying and laughing. I had another dream that I remember so clearly. I was I was in an ambulance, and the back of my head opened, and a cuckoo bird came out and went, cuckoo, <laughs> and this little, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It was a little man with orange hair that went all the way up, kind of like those little people in The Wizard of Oz. I don't know what they're called, um, Oompas or something like this, <laughs> but and he just screamed when he seen the cuckoo bird come out of the back of my head. And I thought it was so hilarious. I laughed and laughed to the point of crying and laughter. It was so funny. And that's how I woke up. And that dream was so vivid. And those steroids were really doing a number on me as far as, you know, sleep goes. Um, I would just laugh. Uh, there, My husband had recorded me laughing in my sleep at these crazy, silly dreams I would have. So that's, it, it also, as far as the steroids go, besides um, having a ferocious appetite, it gave me, at the time, it made my shoulders like really big. Um, I don't know if that was retention of water, what was going on. My husband said I had Hulk shoulders and he was jealous. <laughs> I didn't think that I did, but, you know, I guess I did. So when I finally was able to stop taking steroids, I was really happy. I'm sure that they still had me on them, though, to keep my brain from swelling initially. Okay, so brain surgery over, not taking anything for the pain. Praise Jesus. I had an appointment thereafter for my doctor, Sussman, to take the staples out, and she did. She took them out. It didn't hurt at all. She said everything was healing fine. And then my next appointment, later on that same week of having the brain surgery, so I see I was home Saturday. And I'd seen Dr. Sussman probably like on a Wednesday or Thursday to take out the staples. And then Friday I had to go to, it's a cancer center in Pleasant Hill, I believe. And they wanted to fit me for a mask for radiation. And this is, I really wasn't, I didn't know what to expect about this, something about like, casting of my face or something like that and when I was laying there she told me that they were going to stick this like it's kind of like gel it's a hot gel over my face and I would have to keep it on for six minutes so that it could set and they could make this mask for my uh, radiation or radiotherapy following that and I just remember being so panicky because she allowed me to feel the the gel and it felt like it felt kind of like slime only more um only really thick and really heavy and really really hot. She told me I would be able to breathe and gave me a ring to hold said don't worry just you know we, this has to be done so I'm laying there just trying to tell myself, okay, don't panic. And then 
all of a sudden, she lets this hot, thick gel fall over my face and my head. And it is so smothering. I, I mean, just so smothering. And I don't know what they stuck on over that, but it was like it bolted my head down to whatever I was laying on before I went in the machine. I started, initially I'm thinking, oh gosh, I, I, she said I'd be able to breathe, you know, but I didn't feel like I could. And I started saying the Lord's Prayer and um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom. And I couldn't remember the words. This is the first time it's ever happened to me. And I'm, so I would restart the prayer and restart the prayer. And I'm holding on to this, this ring she gave me. And I'm feeling like I'm suffocating. Everything's black. I can see nothing. I have this hot, this hot, like, it feels like a big giant hand covering my whole face. And I'm, I'm trying to say the Lord's prayer. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden there's this bright light and suddenly there's Jesus and I said, there you are. It was like I could breathe suddenly. And it was really, really, really a moment that I'll never forget as long as I live. Because it was a memory. Uh, and the moment I said, there you are. It was like I was seeing this happening before my eyes, but when I had said that, my voice sounded like the voice of a child, the child that I was, many, many years ago, under the house. My father had locked me under our house as a child, and it was a very, very dark place underground, and there was no light whatsoever. And I had crawled around under there for so long, banging, and there was Jesus. He just, he appeared, and I remembered it like it had just happened yesterday in that moment. And I remember saying, there you are, and just lunging toward him. He was glowing, beautiful and glowing just so beautiful and it was like I knew he would come I knew he would come and he did and I just lunged into his arms I grabbed his hair and I was so comforted and then the whole test thing was over and I knew in my heart that Jesus had just visited me while I was panicking with that stuff on my face. And he made me remember. It was as if he'd said, listen, I was with you at the darkest time of your life, which was under that house as a child. It was his way of letting me know that he was with me. He had been with me always. And he made me remember it. And I did remember. And from that point on, I decided what I knew I had been putting off for so long was that I was going to write about my life and testify to the Lord's love and the Lord's mercy and and um, 
kindness and caring and everything. He's just everything wonderful. And he's been there with me throughout my whole life. And this was the time to do it. I came home after that. And I don't know, it was some kind of like delayed reaction or something for me. But I wept a lot. And I I tried to explain to my husband what had happened and what I had remembered. I mean, the Lord didn't just appear, you know, as now he, he wanted me to remember. He made me remember when I had jumped into his arms as a child and he'd been there. And it was his way of wanting me to know that he had always been with me. And I knew I had to testify to this and I knew I had to go back. I had to go back and testify to everything that was bad in my life, but yet where he was there and he was the good and he saved me and he loved me. I told him, Father, I will testify all the days of my life that you give me to your wonder, to your love to your glory. I did. That's what I started doing. I started writing immediately, beginning from my childhood. And that book is finished. It's published. It's on Amazon. It's available on my website, lmireland.com. Or if you're, if you're interested in reading it, it is available on Amazon or Kindle Unlimited. There You Are by Layla Ireland. And may you be inspired. It's, it's the beginning of my life and all the way up into this memory that Jesus had had given me. I write about this and I write about what had happened and the first time that I had just basked in the Lord's love under the house, buried in this awful darkness, but he was the light and the glowing, my Savior, my Lord, my Christ. And I hope that you would read it and would enjoy knowing that no matter what happens in this life, if you're a Christian and you believe that Jesus is Lord, the Son of God who died for our sins and rose again so that we could have everlasting life, it could only be a blessing for you. And uh, I, I praise the Lord that for every moment of every day that I'm alive and I, I live for Him. I know that I'm alive because of Him. I know Everything happens for the good, for those who love the Lord. I just praise Him on, on every count, and He's been so good to me. So if you're going through any kind of brain surgery, or you know anyone that is, or going through any of this, I hope that this really helps somebody out there in, in some way, shape, or form. It's... Again, it's my testimony and it's my hope to please God first and foremost. But so that's what happened. <laughs>
I hope you will tune in to my next podcast. Thank you so much for listening uh, and God bless.